event. Not just a word, but a noun. It's a description of one who doesn't see things as others do. One who doesn't seek the gratification that society sees as normal. Being a deviant isn't always a bad thing, as thinking outside the box does have its advantages. But for the deviants that we'll talk about, well, they far exceed any type of what one would consider normal. In fact, they have become so thickly weaved in society today that it seems like we can't go a day without finding another deviant doing something that tops everything we've seen so far. I'm talking about those who do some of the most outlandish things that defies any and all logic. You know the type. We see it every day. Come with me and we'll keep an eye out as the world circles the drain with deviants. Hello, I'm Larry Bentley and this is The Deviant Report. Welcome to the Deviant Report, where we all stand around keeping an eye out as the world seems to be circling the drain with deviants. Three Indiana judges have been suspended without pay after an incident following a few drinks. Judge Andrew Adams, Judge Bradley Jacobs, and Judge Sabrina Bell went out for a night of drinking in Indianapolis the night before the judicial conference, and at around 3 a.m., they took their unrobed selves into a strip club for a little hanky-panky. Unfortunately for them, it was closed. Never being ones to give up, as judges are, their next stop was a white castle for a few slammers and some chili. That's where Judge Bell gave the flying fickle finger of fate to Alfredo, Alfredo Vesquez and Brandon Kaiser as they were driving by. Nobody knows why the finger flew. Heck, could have been anything. But Vasquez and Kaiser took offense to the judge's action, thinking don't start no trouble, won't be no trouble. But they pulled the car over to get their pound of flesh as compensation. The four men ended up in the Pier 6 brawl right in the middle of the road and right in the middle of downtown Indianapolis with Judge Bell looking on like a referee in the middle of it all. It was then that Mr. Kaiser realized after a couple of uppercuts that these judges are pretty tough and we're about to kick the rear ends. And as we now live in a society where this type of thing is no longer just a Saturday night fun and games type of fight, where you punch it out, laugh it off, and go home, heal up, and get ready to do it all again next week, Mr. Kaiser whipped out a gun, shot Judge Adams and Judge Jacobs. They were both seriously wounded. Somewhere during the melee, somebody called the police. In her police statement, Judge Bell noted that she and the other judges were very good friends and that she's fiery and feisty and tends to get mouthy when she has a few. Well, I guess don't we all? Jacobs and Bell have both been suspended for 30 days while Adams is suspended for 60. He pleaded guilty to a charge of misdemeanor battery and was sentenced to a year in jail but only had to serve two days. He must have been one of the one that really laid the curb stomp to the Kaiser feller who should have took his butt whipping and just went home like we used to do. Both Adams and Jacobs issued statements of apology, noting how they'd embarrassed the whole judiciary, their families, and their communities. What about Mr. Kaiser? Well, as you don't just go around shooting judges and all, he 
He'll face a slew of charges at his upcoming trial, including battery with a deadly weapon and disorderly conduct. He better hope he doesn't get one of these, these judges at his trial, hadn't he? <laughs> Mr. Vasquez, his nephew and partner in crime, has already pleaded guilty to misdemeanor battery and received 180 days of home detention and a year of probation. So he didn't take his, he did take his whipping and go home, I guess, the hard way. The only thing that would have made this any better is if the judges were wearing their robes and delivered the beat down with gavels while they was wearing them old powder white rigs that they used to wear. Yeah, if it happened back in the 1800s, that is. Now that would have really been something to see. Yeah. Andrew Collins claims he did nothing wrong by standing his completely naked self with his manhood right in front of him in his hotel window staring out overlooking Denver International Airport. And now his lawyer says it's payback time for all he's been put through since being arrested for it. The city of Denver has settled with Collins and will pay him $300,000 cash money out of a liability insurance fund covering the airport like the plaintiff actually gives a steaming pile of dung where the money comes from, but Collins, a United Air Force Air Pilot uh, and Air Force veteran, was arrested and charged with indecent exposure after he appeared in front of his window on the 10th floor without a single stitch clothing on in the Weston Hotel for nearly 30 minutes, during which time he was on a phone call just before climbing in the shower. I guess just make sure that everybody got a good real look at the goods, huh? He said that he didn't know the people in the airport could see him as he watched them go about their business in stunned amazement and total shock until one of them called the police. Cops rushed up to his room as if there was a three-alarm fully engulfed inferno and demanded to he let them in, at which point they took freshly showered rear end down. Collins, still smelling like Old Spice Denali body wash, pleaded not guilty and the charge was ultimately dismissed. Still, the veteran pilot was suspended from United Airlines for six months, and he notes in a Denver, Denver Post article that he was forced to end his campaign to become president of the Airlines Pilots Association. As he said, when edited for content here, I have to explain why I was standing in the window butt naked, letting it all hang out every single day without fail, and I am sick and tired of it. Somebody's going to need to come across with some dead presidents to make it right. His lawyer also says, and I edited this one for content too, we're glad the city of Denver has held accountable as he had lit a Cuban cigar with a $50 bill. It has now paid me for screwing that, uh, the screwing that they threw on this poor man, but odds are his client may still sue Weston and Marriott because there's a cite more money that could be milked out of the situation for letting the cops into the room without a warrant. Collins adds that he wants the hotel to do better at warning guests about how visible they are in the airport when they stand in front of the windows at night with the lights on and in the room. He also says he'll donate some of his settlement money to the Innocence Project. Now we're right back. You're listening to Appalachian. I mean, you're listening to the Deviant Report. This is on behalf of Appalachian Murder, Mystery, and Legend, I'm Larry Bentley.
California. I probably need not say much more, huh? But we seasoned citizens just won't shut up, will we? A couple who say they were sick of getting robbed after moving into their new home ended up behind bars when they decided not to take it anymore. How dare they? Coy Kernett and Savannah Grillo say that a burglar broke into their car the very first night they spent in their new Vasilia home, and that another one did the same thing just a few nights later. So they left the bicycle outside their home, and then when one of the dead heads on mop sticks came by to nab it, they threw a dang good beating on the poor sore-eyed man with the aluminum baseball bats. Too bad they weren't around when the original Night Stalker, also known as the Vasalia Ransacker, was on the rampage, huh? And might send him on a different course once he got out of the hospital, too. Police say that they did this at least four, to at least four people and then posted videos of the beatings on YouTube. But neighbors say that there are many more victims than that. Sounds to me like they're living in a neighborhood full of hard-headed deviants that just can't learn. The couple, who never reported any of the alleged bike thieves to police, and gee, I wonder why, were ultimately detained themselves and booked on charges of assault with a deadly weapon and conspiracy. They're currently out on bail. Police say the YouTube videos, which have since been taken down, helped them to make the arrests. As did the neighbors that got tired of losing sleep from the continuous ping of the ball bats against the hard skulls of the thieves, and they called the police. The neighbor says they were nice people, but maybe it's not the best idea to bait these thieving deviants and then beat the unadulterated hell completely out of them for taking the bait. And it was a lot of the thieving deviants. They were battling or batting the skulls of the good-for-nothing leeches every night. The couple moved away about a month ago, and you can only do so much good, I guess, until it's the beating a dead horse. And get this, folks, according to the police, as far as the victims, more could be come, coming forward. But they are reluctant victims because they were assaulting somebody else's rights by stealing their property. And God in heaven only knows that we're governed by a bunch of panty-wasted bleeding hearts, so we're not a stand-your-ground state. But they're still not wanting to come out and say anything. California folks, it's turned into a literal dumpster fire lately. Yeah, anyway, a man stole a pickup with a sleeping passenger and a goat inside. The man stole a pickup truck with a sleeping passenger and his goat inside, and it drove it all the way from Missouri to Oklahoma before releasing the terrified man and his goat. Two men and the goat had parked the truck outside an adult video store in Carthage, Missouri, early in the morning. The driver went inside and was laboring the intense decision between big butts or big boobs videos as the passenger fell asleep in the truck with the goat. When the passenger awoke, a masked man was driving the truck and pointing a gun at his head. The car, thief, a 40-year-old Brandon Kirby, drove like a maniac from Missouri through Kansas and on to Oklahoma. During the whole ordeal, Mr. Kobe continuously snorted methamphetamine off a knife blade pistol whipped the man and his poor goat and continuously threatened to shoot them both. He was finally stopped and arrested in Sand Springs, Oklahoma, after he shoved the bleeding passenger and his goat out of the truck and the man called the police. The deviant, who had interrupted the two men's plans for porn movies and a goat, was jailed on suspicion of kidnapping, pointing a firearm, and being a felon in possession of a firearm. No word from the goat on the whole thing. 
A David was playing gun smoke like you do, but ended up shooting himself and got arrested for it. For some unknown reason, to those of us who had better sense, a Florida man without a lick of sense, who thought he was Marshal Matthew Dillon, accidentally shot himself in the leg, then drove to the hospital where the nurses called the police. Instead of the wound simply being an embarrassment to him, he ended up with his leg shot rear end in handcuffs because what with him being a felon and all, he's not legally able to possess a gun. Matthew Knopfsinger Jr., who was 36, is a convicted felon and as such is prohibited from possessing firearms. When they asked him at the hospital, as he got band-aid put on the 22 caliber bullet hole, just what kind of actual heck he was doing, he told them that he had been shot by an unknown assailant while minding his own business and walking around the wooded area behind his house. But since the entry wound was right where a holster would be and the exit wound was straight down his leg and out the knee, they just weren't consistent with the moon bat of a story. So police turned up the heat and grilled the bleeding deviant until the suffering mastermind admitted exactly what he did. Police finally found the 22 revolver that was involved in at the scene of the crime, laying in a puddle of blood, hair, skin, and pieces of Wrangler jeans. They then searched the deviant's bloody backpack that they found laying there as well and found a wallet, four credit cards, and an ID card that didn't belong to it. So Marshal Dillon then admitted that he'd found them, and that's why they weren't his. Oh, that explains it, folks. I find stuff like that every day, don't you? He was arrested and charged with being a felon in possession of a firearm, and since the police didn't buy the I found it stuff, he was also charged with possession of personal information of four different people. If convicted, he could face up to 15 years behind bars and a $10,000 fine. Again, I asked folks, deviants, what are we going to do with them? I hope you've enjoyed hearing the Deviant Report. If you have, please rate and review the podcast, and don't forget to follow us, please. Of course, you'll be following Appalachian Murder, Mystery, and Legend to get the Deviant Report, as well as the World of Murder, Mystery, and Legend podcast. They all run the same name under the same name of Appalachian Murder, Mystery, and Legend. If you like even more episodes of both of these podcasts and access to the Deviant Report, which comes out as I collect enough stories to make an episode, consider becoming a subscriber for $1.99 a month for extra episodes of all three. Just visit anchor.fm and search Appalachian Murder, Mystery, and Legend, and they'll set you right up. Please join us on Facebook group, Appalachian Murder, Mystery, and Legend podcast, where we can discuss everything Appalachian or whatever else you'd like to talk about. I'll be back real soon with another episode of The Deviant Report. I'll see you then.